On this episode of the Cultivate Church Planting Podcast, I sit down with Pastor Carl Dixon from Calvary Chapel, Sarasota, Florida. He's going to share with us some of his secrets to success and the importance of preparing the pastor for the work of church planting. There is a lot of wisdom here, so if you can get your notebook out, you're going to want to jot some of these things down for sure. The Cultivate Church Planting Podcast is part of CGN Media, a podcast network that points to Christ. Check out cgnmedia.org for more great shows and ways to support the ministry. Let's go. All right. Well, welcome to the Cultivate Church Planting Podcast. And today I'm here with um, a very special guest and someone who's local here in the Bradenton, Sarasota area, and that is Pastor Carl Dixon. And I've known Carl for, it's been a long time. Yeah, it has. <laughs> well, we, we first met, I think we first met in Sudan. Yeah, and actually right in Kampala. Okay, yep, yeah, yeah. in Kampala. So we, uh, our family lived in East Africa and Uganda, and uh, Pastor Carl and a team would come over pretty much every year, every yeah. other year, and you would go, you would leave some of the teams in Kampala, which yeah. was a more established kind of civilized, I guess it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. civilized place, and then you and a few other pastors would go up to Sudan yeah. with Far Reaching Ministries and do the um, uh, chaplaincy uh, training. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We did that for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's it. And when people are listening, they don't, you, it's kind of hard to imagine, but just imagine a really, really hot desert place yeah. with, back when you started going, there was bombers flying. Oh, up. yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, one of the Bible studies uh, I was doing with the chaplains. All of them had been in the army. They've all been either stabbed or shot, <laughs> and they were very young. And I'm teaching, oh and all of a sudden, uh, I thought I heard something sounded like a chainsaw to me. They disappeared. They ran away from me, right in the middle of my teaching, as fast as they could. And I'm watching. I have no idea. And uh, I said what's wrong is it and they're they've got this accent with that i can't do but they said pastor carl pastor carl come quick bomb shelter bomb shelter come quick <laughs> and so i ran to the bomb shelter and got down and it was an antonov coming over to Oof. drop bombs I, it wasn't a chainsaw <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting something that happened this i like to tell this story because what happened was when i got out of there i panicked mm. now that's not uh, i was a I've been a police officer. I've been in the Navy. Mm-hmm. I panicked, and I realized that I was in a war zone, and I couldn't leave. I couldn't say, I don't uh, like this yeah. anymore. Yeah. You couldn't just— You can't turn it. off the TV if you're getting scared of the that's movie right. that's right. And, and uh, it surprised me, and these young guys came along beside me and laid hands on me and prayed for me, and I was never afraid again. Yeah. It was really amazingly comforting— yeah. to have that experience. And it also helped them. They saw me not as some white guy from America, but they saw me as one of them. They've been, yeah. they've been through that kind of fear. That's right. Yeah, and, well, that's uh, amazing. And people, what people don't realize about the mission field and even mission trips is, you know, God often does a lot of miraculous things over yeah. on the mission field that we don't get to see or experience here yeah. in the U.S. Um, but in cases like that, I mean, I'm sure it was... Ch- Life changing. Well, it was, and you went back the next year, so it must have. And the next, and the next. <laughs> but it was. I said when we started the church in Sarasota, 
I said that I would never go on the mission field because it didn't make any sense to me to go to some place where they do, I don't speak the language and mm -hmm. I have to speak and somebody else speak. And I said, I'll just send a transcript if they want to read it. That's fine yeah, of me. Yeah. And then uh, if anybody knows Wes, he um, bullied me. <laughs> That's Wes Bentley, far-reaching minister. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We he bullied me time. into going, and we had to sign all these papers. <laughs> and I like to tell people the papers basically said you're probably going to be killed, and we're not going to bring your body back. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And uh, it changed the whole church uh -huh. because from that time on, we now have missions all over the world. We have a major mission agency out of our church that sends out hundreds of missionaries, and I've been to the South Sudan the most, but I've been to lots of other places too, and we have constant uh, teams going out to encourage the missionaries. Yep. And I tell the people in the church that some te some churches teach you only have to know Jesus to become a Christian. We don't believe that. And it's funny when I say it because I'm looking at the people and some of them <laughs> look at each other. I said, what we believe is that you have to know Jesus and you have to have a passport. <laughs> yeah well, that's great you have to know jesus you have to have a passport yeah well carl you're here today to talk about um not only church planning but i've asked you here to talk about um pat more of the pastoral side of the church plant because you are a i would call you a pastor two pastors you came to a um church planting round table we had here and shared with the group and there were several that shared, myself included, but everybody hands down said we loved what Carl had to share about basically preparing the pastor for ministry. Before you talk a little bit about that, you have planted a church in Sarasota, the one that you are currently pastoring. Yes. Which I really, I'm trying to, I'm trying to model or not model, but um, follow that example because I've always planted churches, then left. Planted a church, then left. Mm -hmm. You know, stay for three years, stay for five years, leave, go plant another one. And that's okay. That's a model of church planting. But as I've gotten older, I feel like, you know, it's hard work to plant a church. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to, I'd like to stay and, you know, put down roots and see the the fruit develop. And you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording here about what's going on in your church there and it's been, you planted in what, what year was it? 87, 1987? 86 or 87. 86 yeah. or 87. Yeah. yeah. And you were just talking about, I mean, the, the fruit of the church is growing still. The, mm -hmm. the midweek studies are happening. You built a, um, what is it? A youth, kind of a youth center yep. and all that. So, and it's really a blessing to the community. And for those who don't know, Pastor Carl is a Calvary Chapel pastor teaching verse by verse through the Bible, you know. You weren't always a Calvary Chapel guy, though, were you? No, no. Okay. How that? First of all, how did how did you plant the church? Just a little summary about that, and then how did you get connected to Calvary well, Chapel? <clears throat> I was a, um, uh, I was actually a, a pastor, an associate pastor in a large Baptist church. And uh, I have gone to that church. I was a stockbroker for a lot of years. I moved to America to start a brokerage firm with some other men. And it was very successful, and we sold it. And the pastor of the church I was going to, I was doing all a discipleship ministry there, asked if I would come on board. And so I did come on board in the church. I had never been in a denomination before. I'd always been in a church that's sort of like the Calvary Chapel movement uh -huh. type independent church taught 
verse like by a verse. non-denominational kind of non-denominational yeah. church and uh i got in a lot of trouble because i didn't understand the politics of denominations <laughs> i still don't but but as a result the pastor asked to go for a walk with me one day and we were doing a bible study that a, in the church during sunday school hour that had become way over 100 people but we were doing now you have to understand this is back in the 1980s the early 80s uh, we were using guitars uh -huh. instead of piano and organ and uh, some people were actually holding their hands up in worship Ooh, yeah, and a lot of younger move. people were coming uh -huh. so i was told that the education committee was concerned about that <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and i i guess officially i didn't get fired uh -huh. but i basically was told that i needed to move on yeah yeah god's As, calling you to move on that's right <laughs> well at that Make point spiritual. i had lots of opportunity in the financial community i was well known in the area and several uh, men from the church and otherwise came to me because they had heard me teach and asked if we would consider starting a church where we taught the bible verse by verse so mm -hmm. we started in a one of them was a dentist in town <clears throat> and uh, our dentist is as a matter of fact and we started meeting in his large home large living room with about 30 people and uh, the first thing i did was i said okay i'm going to teach you the book of mark and all the gospels at once and so i started wow. mark chapter 1 verse 1 and i added all the other gospels in so when we finished it we had actually been through all four gospels did you do like a um chronological kind of thing yeah or, a chronological or a, yeah. thing yeah. and uh, and some things are it, it gave me an opportunity to teach everything because mm -hmm. not only could i teach the christmas story out of that but I could also teach about end times and yep. all of that. So yeah. it covered just about everything so people knew uh, what I believed about yeah. the Bible and about all of that. And that's so it's a great way. That's good advice, getting started on a church plant. I mean, that's it was very common uh, back then and even today to start s small in a home, have it grow from there, yep. um, which is a great strategy for church planting to this day. I mean... We're uh, uh, doing a church planning network with Cultivate and stuff. And a lot of people are like, let's plan this all out and get a big building and do all this and that. And a lot of times we'll just say, you know what? Probably the best advice we can give you is just go ahead and start a Bible study and start teaching and see, see what happens. Yes. You know? yeah. And then the Lord often will bless from there. And that's what happened, sounds like, there at Calvary, Sarasota. Yeah. So what did you do? How did you become like... I know you were at church where two or three are gathered, you got a pastor and everything. What uh, what, what led you to become like uh, a church where you could say, here we are? Well, we called ourselves right from the beginning, Agape Christian Fellowship. A matter of fact, people would say fairly regularly the visit that were, that really knew the Christian way of doing things. And they'd say, that's a lot to live up to. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so that's uh, we we decided we were going to be a church right from the beginning. Yeah. Okay. And so that was we named the church and okay. everything we set up. Right when you got started, it was right when we got started. Okay. We, we set it all up legally, so some mm -hmm. of the people that joined me, I was pretty well known in that community, and so a lot of the people were from pretty wealthy backgrounds, lawyers mm -hmm. and doctors and stuff, and so we set up all of the legal stuff. Good. And. Uh, and so uh, we just went from there and we went from that location eventually to a school okay. and then uh, to a seven-day Adventist church because they met 
They do Saturdays. Saturday. Yeah. yeah, that's actually a good idea. I mean, if people are listening here, always for these little tips and tricks, and that's yeah. Seventh-day Adventist. A lot of them don't want to work with other churches and stuff, but yeah. some are very, you know, uh, good about working with other yeah, we did that. Well, then we went to a Catholic school, a Catholic high school in uh, uh, in Sarasota, and uh, they had a, 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 a their uh, eating facilities for mm -hmm. the kids. Uh, that's where we had church, mm -hmm. and that was great because we were allowed to use all of the rooms. So we had separate wow. place to have a, a nursery, Sunday school for kids, mm -hmm. and all of that. We're, we were only about 80, 90 people when we moved there, but uh, it really worked out because a lot of the uh, people that would visit us were Catholics that thought we were a Catholic. Oh, so you were part of the school. They thought you were part of the... They were thought we were part of the school. Yeah. And even some of the sisters, the Catholic sisters would come and sit in the back and listen. Okay. And did as a result, at one, no. Carl? well, sometimes they did, yes, but I tell them, no, don't do that. But then what would really happen was, uh, is that at one point when we were probably about 120 or 30 people, about three quarters of the people had become Christians and in some ways didn't even realize what had happened. Uh -huh. They had come from the Catholic <laughs> background and then their families came along uh -huh. and we did that for a long time wow. until we finally... Uh, purchased the building that we're in now. Uh -huh. uh, it was a it was a failed um, denominational church. Okay, and so it was set up as a church already. No, well, oh. yes, but it was an, in a neighborhood that started in the 1960s in Sarasota, and it was the uh, their basic uh, clubhouse and stuff, uh, in the middle of the neighborhood. Okay, okay. but it, it was rad infested and it was a oh, mess boy. but we bought that and renovated it and we've been there ever since we got it's several. a great location it's and we're here a lot of listeners um, we're here on the west side of florida <laughs> i just moved here it's actually almost been three years can you believe that wow i yeah. I, th I mean i keep telling people yeah we moved here recently about yeah. a year ago no it's almost it'll be three years pretty soon but anyway um you've lived here for a long time yeah Pastor 1982 Carl. we came yep from canada right yep Ooh. My yeah. wife's Canadian, you know that. Yes. She's, uh, yep. So. Yeah. You guys can get together and sing the national anthem and everything. That's right. I tried to forget it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, having been there, it's a great. What, what I was saying is a great location where you are. So we're in the west. Beautiful. Sarasota's is beautiful. I mean, this whole area, this yeah. whole um, west coast, south of Tampa, and. Um, I remember when we were on the mission field, we came, I don't know if you remember this, but we came back for a furlough a long time ago and uh, spoke at the church, shared a little bit, and uh, you know, stay, spent some time in Sarasota. That was our first time to the area. And so when we were thinking about moving here, I was thinking, you know, that I remember that's a nice area, Sarasota and Bradenton. And so, but you have a great place, great location in the middle of neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's neighborhoods all around you. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's in fact, because before we started doing Sundays, we would come down and, and you know, go to church and everything. And um, driving right through the neighborhoods, I mean, it's perfect. It's, yeah. It's a great location. Yeah, and we do door-to-doors to, uh, several times a year at all of the, the whole neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, good. So what are, what are some of the—what's the secret to your success? How do we last—how are we going to start a church and last as long—not only last as long as you did, but your church—and this is what a lot of— you know, I've I've been to a lot of churches. I've studied, you know, church planting and all that. But um, 
at your church, it's really it's really healthy, and I'm just going to testify to that as someone who's been there several times. Um, you've got a great, healthy congregation of young and old mixture. You yeah. know, a lot of times you have a church starts out 20, 30 years ago, starts out great, you know, has a heyday, and then kind of dwindles, the church gets older, and then eventually dies out, yeah. that sort of thing. But you're not doing that. You've you've got a great worship team, and Pascal, the worship leader, great guy. Um, I mean, how do, how do we... How do we stay strong like that? Well, the first, I think the first thing, which is we, we t started talking about this at the beginning, uh, what you did, I think there has to be a commitment that this is where God put me and I'm not leaving here mm -hmm. unless God moves me and everybody would agree with that. Yep. So when we started the church, uh, I made in a commitment that I would stay no matter what. And, and just a, a tiny story, I hope it doesn't sound wrong, but I think it's important. Mm -hmm. I was really well known in the financial community. And so when we started the church, I didn't need any money or anything or payment. I I was doing well anyhow. Uh, That's a unique situation. It is unique. Yep. But it's like somebody it's being being blessed by being supported as yeah, a church yeah, planter. Yeah. And uh, but I also was uh, was going uh, away from time to time to do seminars for brokerage firms and they paid me a lot of money to do that and <laughs> one day i came back and i was treated so well by them that i thought this is too much of a temptation so i burned the boats okay. in the harbor i canceled my license i let other firms know i don't do that anymore and this is it full time i'm going to trust in God to take care of me in the church. So I cut myself off from all How of far them. in was that? That was, that was not too far in. It was probably a hand, not a year even. Oh, wow. Really? And I realized, okay. you know, I'm at this church and as always is the case, there's problems here and there. And, yeah. and uh, uh, but then I would fly off to some place and they put me in a luxury hotel and give me a luxury car. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, this is what I deserve. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, but for those who don't know, Calvary Chapel isn't that kind of a church model. I mean, you can go no. to some churches and get your luxury jet and car and all that. Yeah, but... No, not in Calvary Chapel. <laughs> and uh, so I decided that I just wanted to be part of the people and that uh, I wanted to teach them. Chuck Smith used to have a saying that he wanted to have the healthiest, best taught sheep mm -hmm. and all that. Yep. And I kind of like that. Now, I didn't know about Chuck Smith then. We didn't, ah, we weren't okay. at Calvary for quite a while, but. Uh, but I wanted to teach these people. I wanted them to understand the Bible the way I've been taught and discipled after I became a Christian, and uh, that I was going to do that literally for the rest of my life unless God chose okay. differently. So it was that commitment that you yeah. made. And therefore, I become part of the people. Now, this is uh, interesting, though. Uh, I took a church course, uh, a course in church growth from uh, seminary in California, uh, and it was more like a sociological course about social, you know, uh, all the statistics about people and people mm -hmm. groups and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And uh, they taught us at the course that uh, a tribe was about 80 people in America. That's where a lot okay. of people get started, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> but also there was one statistic, and I know all about statistics, uh -huh. but that proves true. You can try it yourself, go and visit some churches. The average age of a congregation 
uh-huh. is within 10 years of the age of the pastor. Yeah, I I heard that. I think that, Yeah. I think you might have told me that, but that's, yeah. that's interesting. So I determined right from the beginning that we would make sure that I never got old in my thinking. Yeah. I can't how, do anything. How old are you? I'm 76. 76, okay. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure that I took care of myself, that I uh, really was part of the people, and that I continued to learn and grow and understand what was going on in the people's lives yeah. so that they would be like healthy sheep, bring other sheep. Yeah, and you do. To, I'm gonna just going to interject this here because another fascinating thing to me about Pastor Carl is you ride your bike a lot. And I'm not talking about, a, you th- don't think about just a bicycle or a beach cruiser kind of thing. It's a road bike, like the real deal. 150 miles a week. 150 yeah. miles a week on your bike. Yeah. And so whenever someone says, is uh, Pastor Carl, is he an older pastor? I'll be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you ride 150 miles a week? And you've invited me to go ride with you, but I'm not going to do it. I can't. I'm not, not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I've tried to. I, I see our body as something that we're uh, responsible for. God gave us mm-hmm. these bodies. We're going to live in eternal bodies, and I'm yeah. looking forward to that. And uh, and I know that there's bicycles in the in the thousand year reign, especially because of the wheel within a wheel in Ezekiel. That's the back <laughs> of a road bike. But but I interesting. I'll, I've tried to be part of the people in the church. And I think that some pastors fall for that separation. There should be no se- I'm a servant. Yeah. I'm not the boss. I'm not the CEO. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, I've said occasionally in a sermon that I tried to start a cult, but nobody would do what I said. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I like that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, so as a result, uh, if you come to our church right now and stay between services, what you'll see is dozens and dozens of little kids running around, jumping on the seats, yep. knocking over the microphone sometime yeah, on the yeah. stage. Yeah. Uh, these young families, and I do all I can to talk to their kids, get down on the floor yeah. with them. Yep. And, uh, uh, and so we do have older people, but really the church average age is <laughs> way, way down from my age. Yeah, that's an amazing, um, I think that's so important to really uh, come into where the people are. And if you're not there, like I'm I'm realizing this too, I'm 45 and my youngest is just turned 18. She's going to um, go to England for a little while for Christian school over there. Mm-hmm. So I'm we're empty nesters now and I don't, I'm starting to feel the disconnect between the younger generation and everything. But there is a way, what you're saying is there's a way to um, mentally stay uh, yes. in step with yeah. the congregation. Yeah, there is. And and that's why you have to be a reader. Mm-hmm. Readers are leaders and leaders are readers. That's know? right. That was something you shared at the, uh, yeah. the conference. You said, um, and I wrote it down here because I loved it, the greatest gift you can give your listeners is to keep learning and growing and changing. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so that's yeah. great. Yeah. And so, uh, and you, you, you have to, when I'm putting a sermon together, we have an online audience uh-huh. and I've had people ask me occasionally, how many people are online? I don't, I don't know. I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. That's not who I'm preaching to. I am, 
But yeah. that's not, when I prepare my sermon, I'm thinking about the people in front of me that yeah. I meet every day. Yeah. And I'll acknowledge the camera yeah. and say, if you're online and all of this kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, that's not my audience. Yeah. I'm not trying to develop the biggest online audience. Yeah, that's a great that. point. I haven't really thought about it that way because I taught a couple of weeks ago about the importance of just one because we're in Acts. We, yes. We're back in Acts now. And you know the story of Philip where he's part of a revival in Samaria yeah. and thousands are getting saved. And then all of a sudden the Lord says, I want you to go into the desert and just talk to one person. Yes. And that point kind of struck home with me yeah. of, you know, we're talking to the person right in front of us. Yes. And I never made the connection between that online because we all want to reach, you know, the millions of people yes. online. But um, who who is it that's sitting right in front of us? Yes. And so since we don't have any children, I mean, we do, but they are in California and <laughs> Seattle and places like that. But we don't have any children at home. We've been empty nesters for a long time. I arrive at the church pretty well before almost anybody else on Sunday. And I seldom leave before 2 or 2.30 in the afternoon because I want to be talking to people, uh, sitting down with them, uh, having more than just how, you know, hello, how are you yeah. time and uh, really getting to know people and being available to people. Yeah. And also letting people know that, that I'm the pastor and I work hard at what I do, I try to, uh, but I'm not perfect. And, if you, and I want people to know they can question me. Mm -hmm. A young man came to me this week who's new to the church. I think he was really surprised. And he wasn't sure about something I said, so he came up to me and he was very tentative uh, I'm guessing. I'm guessing he was in his 30s, and he he had written all these notes down. He said, "You said this and this, and that doesn't make any sense to me. How can you say that?" And I first thing I said to him was, "Wow, that's really incredible that you noticed that." Uh -huh. And then I explained why. And then I said, "Listen, I see you're taking a lot of notes. Please feel free to talk to me." Uh, I've had people like you come to me and change my mind about something. So yeah. I want to wow. hear from you. And he, you could just see him sort of, oh, okay. You know, I mean, I want to yeah. get that. I want to be close enough to the people that they know who I am. Yep. And th when they get to know you, they know that they can come and talk to you about They know they can come things. and talk and to me. That's yeah. rare in this day and age. I mean, to have a pastor that is not lording it. I mean, the Bible says it, don't lord over the people. Yes. <laughs> but be yeah. an example to the flock, and that's what you're talking about. Is well, you might remember, I think I said during the church thing, beware of becoming a green room pastor. Oh, yeah. You know, and Pastor Chuck <laughs> taught me that. I mean, I, I would go to Cosa Mesa, and every time I went, quite a few times, I was always able to talk to him. Yeah. And so some people would say, well, you can do that if your church is 100 or 200 or something, but you can't do that if you got thousands. Pastor Chuck did. Yeah. And I, I tried to respect his time, but his yeah. eyes never moved away from me to all the other people waiting to talk. That's right. Yeah. And that's um, uh, my pastor, Pastor Ray Bentley, who's passed away now, um, was the same way. Yeah. And I was amazed because he had a huge church in San Diego. And I was one of the pastors, one of 15 or 16 pastors on staff. And that was when we came back from the mission field. And and uh, I was so surprised by that very thing that he would do, and I'm sure he learned it from Pastor Chuck as well, yeah. is he was there to the last person wanted to talk to him and left. He yeah. would just sit after the service, you know, people would talk and talk, and he would be there for them. Yeah. And we would kind of think, well, aren't, you know, don't you need to go and rest or do it? But his he had that mentality of, I'm not a, on stage 
like you said, the green room pastor, I want to be able to be accessible and available. Yep. Wow. Young church planners are starting out, uh, Pastor Carl, and they're eager to get going and doing this. What would you, if you could say one or two things that would really get them started on the right trajectory, besides what you've already shared, I mean, that's gold in and of itself. What would you, what would you say to them? I would say that they need to make sure that they have goals. Mm. Now, you have to be careful about goals. There's different ways to set goals. I, I have a seminar I like to do on goal setting. Uh, goals can box you in and keep you from going in the right direction if you don't know how to do them properly. So before you set a goal, you have to have a purpose. Hmm. And uh, don't try to be too spiritual about the purpose. Say, what do, what do I want my life to represent? What are people going to say to me at the, or not to me, but going to say about me at the memorial service. Yep. And, uh, and so if you, if you have a, a, a purpose that you're going to constantly be moving around in different ways, and some of it has to be very specific. Uh, so my purpose when we started the church was to make sure I really taught the people well, mm -hmm. and uh, also uh, that I would be there for them no matter what for the rest of my life unless god moved me yep, and we've already commitment. talked yep. about that but i think that's important that's good and uh and to c continue to learn and grow uh, people come to me uh today we the church has been around a long time and so over that time lots of people have left and mm -hmm. moved away or went to another church well now we have a lot of people uh, almost every month, two or three people come back to the church that haven't been at the church for a very long time. Uh -huh. And they always say approximately the same thing. They'll say, wow, you've really changed. <laughs> you know, and then I'll, I'll, if I feel comfortable I'll, uh, and not too scared to what they might say, I'll say, how, how have I changed? And most of the time they'll say, well, you seem to know so much more. And the sermons uh -huh. are, uh, the way you're preaching is, uh, is you seem to be a lot more, do you feel and, like you've changed, though? Yeah, I have changed. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking, it, I was laughing because I was thinking it was probably just that they've probably changed and they, Some of they that, didn't like before. Yeah. Now yeah. that coming back, having matured, they have yeah. come to like. For example, the, the teaching style. I mean, a lot of people would rather have a 20-minute inspirational message. Yes. And then when they come and hear us talk for 45 or more minutes, it's hard for a lot of people yeah. to, to deal with, but... Anyway, I interrupted you, sorry. But you that. also have to develop good relationships within the church. And you have to take some risks in those relationships. Mm. I always try to have at least one or two men in the church that I can say almost anything to. I, I meet with a man every Tuesday that's afternoon. Good, good advice. Uh, an older man, actually, than me. And that's saying something. Uh, and uh, I bet he can't ride his bike as far as you can, though. No, he can't. But <laughs> but uh, his two new knees won't let him. Yeah. But at any I rate, I don't know of many twenty-year-olds that can ride their bike as far as you can. That's the thing. Well, there's some really great. We've got every kind of bike rider in the church. Okay. Plus, we have a new cult in the church. Oh yeah. Have I told not, you? You're not the leader though, because you don't know how to. They won't the, follow you. The new cult. Yeah. Uh, or are you my, the leader? No, my wife has been brainwashed into it. Okay. Yeah, it's called pickleball. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah we've got some of those here too. <laughs> we even have a partner. Yeah, you'll definitely now. if someone plays pickleball, you'll hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I tell people I don't beat my wife. I I went out and played pickleball the other day, and 
This score was 11-5. Uh-huh. I was the five. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, uh, you have to have, you have to make sure that you have relationships with people in the church, that you take risks on that. You'll be betrayed. You'll have a relationship or somebody will lie about mm-hmm. you or something. Yeah. You must be like, in a sense, like Jesus at that point. I'm always blown away when I talk about the sermon this week was about, I called it Communion 101. And at the Passover, the last Passover, it says, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed. And of course, Judas was right there. And he treated Judas just as well as he treated Mm. everybody else. I would have used some of my old judo moves and got (laughs) Judas out of there as quick as I could. (laughs) But uh, uh, he, uh, you have to be really developing relationships with the people in the church. Yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, if you do that, then the church will grow around those relationships. Yeah. But you still have all kinds of problems and troubles and yeah. that type of thing. It won't be easy. Yeah. And you must be willing to accept that there is an enemy called the devil. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to start a church, uh, you're going to be... You're going to be in a You're lot going to of run trouble. Into the difficulties. Oh, yeah. What's the most difficult thing? We got. We're running out of time here. Okay. We time has just flown by. But what's the most difficult thing that you've faced in your not the, just the church plant, but throughout the church uh, that you've pastored there? Uh, two things. 1995, we had a church split that you could write a volume about. Ooh. It was one of the meanest, most terrible church splits Jeez. ever. And literally, there were times, I've never been suicidal, but there were for many, many times when I was serious, I'd get on my knees before bed and say, Lord, everybody would be better off if I, please take my life. I don't, yeah. don't want to go on anymore. Yeah. And, uh, but I got up and went on. Mm-hmm. And it was incredibly difficult, unbelievably wow. hard. And also the betrayal of friends. Yeah. Uh, there's, there were two particular friends over all the decades who I have been super close to, who totally betrayed me and lied about me. And, uh, I can't exaggerate the hurt of that, but you can't allow that to stop you. Yeah. You have to keep going. And, uh, the first time it happened, I said to the one assistant pastor I had at the time, Dave was his name. I said, Dave, I'll never trust another man again as long as I live. Wow. And uh, ever. I'll never be put in that position. And I was really strong about it. And he got out. He was in front of my desk. He came <laughs> behind me. He's a bigger man, has big hands, and he started massaging my neck. And he says, I want to tell you something. He says, I'm your friend. I will never betray you as long as I live or you live. He's older than me. He's 80 years old now, and he was visiting from the Carolinas where he's retired in now. And uh, he said to me when he left about a few days ago, he says, you remember what I said to you a long, mm-hmm. long time ago? And I said, what are you talking about? The time that I was massaging your neck? Oh, yeah. Well, he says, I'm still your friend. That's so amazing. So it's, you have to be willing to, uh, to persevere through those extremely difficult times. I love that. Great word for especially young church planters getting into the ministry. It's going to yep. be difficult, but would you change anything? I mean, it's you. Or do you love? Do you love it, or do you wish you would have stuck with the stockbroker stuff? Oh no, and no, been I'm flying around the world. I am absolutely. <laughs> I can't believe God has let me do all yeah. this. 
yeah. I can't believe feel it. Feel the same way. Yeah. And uh, and plus, I've got the greatest wife in the world, uh-huh. and that helps a lot. Yep. Yeah. Pastor Carl, I I want to ask if you'll just come back on another episode sometime because I got sure. a lot more questions and you've got a lot more answers I feel like and wisdom to share. But thanks for coming in You're today. Welcome. It's been awesome. I know it's uh, many are going to be blessed and encouraged by the by the talk we had today. So thank you. Thanks again.